Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Hey everybody, it's Kelly Kirsch with Logan Gordon. It's 60 Minutes on Ice. We're busy show today. Hockey Central noon. We've got a we've got a musician coming up at 12:45 from the Arkells. Max from the Arkells is going to join us. Our NHL insider is Eric DeHatchuk. He'll come on about 12.30, but uh, we do it every day at this time. We talk to Lou. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. The reality is um, I look at it as, as a missed opportunity. Yep, that, that that's what it, that's what it is. Uh, hello, Lou. How are you? I, I'm good. I, I I knew that that quick little clip would kind of uh, set us in the right type of motion for sure. How are you? I'm good. Missed opportunity is wait. Can we just back up a little bit? Do we have sure. to give the Dallas Stars a little bit more credit? I mean, they they. They were scoring in bunches, things going their way. Is 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 it one of those? Do I have to flash back to 1993 when the the LA Kings be, beat the Flames in the first round and everybody was all mad, and then they just about won the Stanley Cup? Is it too soon to to make that comparison? <laughs> well, you know what, Kelly, I, I think it's a great point that you make, and I'd probably just add this to it in everybody's emotions and and how we assess and how we get to better, big, bigger and better places is that the one thing that's never been lost for me is just how finite the nature of winning and losing in the playoffs is. They're just, you know, you talked about the 1993 Los Angeles Kings and a series against the Flames, but I'm going to add another piece to the LA Kings puzzle. What if Marty McSorley doesn't have an illegal stick (laughs) in the series against the Montreal Canadiens, which completely turned the tide, led to a tying goal, and eventually an Eric Desjardins overtime winner, one of 10 overtime. (laughs) Can you imagine the Montreal Canadiens, the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup, won 10 straight overtime games? What do you think the likelihood and percentages of that are yeah that, so, that was crazy like it, it was crazy you know but in every situation whether it's the flame series against dallas whether it's any series whether it's you know world junior gold medal games when the competition is incredibly close like look at you talked about dallas so dallas couldn't score all regular season they, they even in the series against the flames Trust me, while we were focused on some of the Flames' better people, you don't think they weren't having conversations in Dallas about is Tyler Sagan, is he going to score a goal again in the playoffs? Are their big guys going to get going? And the Flames were 11.9 seconds away from taking a three-games-to-one series lead, and you and I are in the middle of talking about a very different series, likely, you know, against the Vegas Golden Knights and where that might have led itself to at this point. So, um, you know, what was really important and is always really important, and and I'm not always the best at it myself as a very all-in emotional person, when it gets really hard, you truly have to just gather yourself, focus, 
and be able to truly analyze all of it, not just the bad part. And in sports, we generally, even as humans, like, as I've always said and said many times in this show, and I can only use myself as, as a great example, the big losses, they're way harder to take than the big wins. Like one, for whatever reason, in human nature, those yeah. things last forever. That's why. That's what makes sports so awesome. That's why we it love is. it and hate it all at the same time. It is. It's, it's exactly what it is because, you know, games like Game 6 or, you know, having a goal scored on you in Game 2 with 40 seconds left, being 11.9 seconds away from being in very much command. And, and really, even if we go back, not that there's a lot of point in going back outside of, I think going back always should give us perspective about how to look at things going forward. And that's, that's why we go back sometimes is again, just the finite wow. nature of how quickly things can turn. And guess what? I, I remember, and, and you know, the gentleman as well with your Saskatchewan roots. I remember Lauren Mulliken being interviewed mm-hmm. by a dear friend of mine, at the end of a Moose Jaw Warrior season many, many years ago. And I'll never forget that Lauren said this. And he said, listen, do not ever mistake this about being successful in sports. You need a little good fortune along the way once in a while. You do. You you, you just, you do. Yeah, it's it's just the way it is. You know, when we watch those, um, you know, used to call them green garbage bag day, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the guys get to, it's obviously different with, with COVID and doing it by, by zoom. <sighs> Sometimes I just, I feel, I feel for the guys having to do it. Cause I don't suppose they want to do it, but it's something nope. they have to do. What did, what did we learn from, from the guys and their kind of postmortem yesterday? Well, it's a great question, Kelly. And, and in some ways, probably my biggest takeaway was this. So the theme of the players was yes. They came back, they learned how to play and think the game a different way. We talked a lot during the playoff run about they were harder to play against. They were grittier. They were more resilient. Their defensive structure was way better. The other thing they talked about, and there's no doubt about this, there never has been in my mind, is I heard a lot of, we really like one another. And we care about one another and we see value in one another. So that was very much a theme. I, you know, that and that they have made some strides. And even if we can't from the outside see some of those strides, there have been strides. However, I also just played right off the top what sports is all about, too. It's about getting to a better place. And so as much as you want to talk about strides and getting to a better place, and it all takes time. That's, that's the other thing is sports fans. And Kelly, I don't have the text line. To be honest, I'm not sure I want the text line. But the text line, I guarantee you, has been filled with unhappy people. Yeah. It's, it's like you, Very, uh, it's like you do it, have it. it, it <laughs> So, so if I've been around for as long as I have and think about things the way that I do and being a very passionate, caring sports fan, I, I think I can have a conversation with any passionate sports fan about how it feels 
when your team doesn't meet your expectations or it feels like they're stuck or they're not getting anywhere. I don't know. I may cheer for this team called the Minnesota Vikings and have cheered for them for 50 years and still haven't seen the result that I want to see. So, but the Vikings are a great learning tool for me because I have to do it both sides. So I have to come on these airwaves and the Minnesota Vikings remind me two things and they help me. And that is, okay, I can absolutely 100% get on board with every passionate, caring, invested sports fan and be darn angry. However, that's only part of the hat that I have to wear. The other is how do you properly analyze and break it down and try to understand that each year is different, that even sometimes with exactly the same personnel, things happen and, and people get to grow and they get to learn. But in saying that, it's also about making strides and taking steps. And, you know, who do you give the keys to the car to on your team? And, Kelly, listen, I thought about it today when we started, but you're the perfect guy as a boss forever to just understand the trials and tribulations of how difficult it is. It it just... You know, I mean, you could write a book on it. I know you could if you ever cared enough to do it. Think about our business and the personalities yeah. and what you have to manage. And, and that's that's you know, the main thing is is the people and the personalities. And right. people always ask me about you know you know how, how do you run a radio station? And I say you know like a, if whether it's a music station or a talk station, the the stuff that isn't humans is actually pretty easy to do. The hard stuff is dealing with the dynamic of whether it's on-air people, salespeople, clients, or whatever, because everybody's so different, but it's absolutely imperative you get that right. And that's, that's kind of what the Flames are, are, are facing right now, because you, know, you can't just go out and write, you know, okay, well, yeah, it'd be nice to get uh, Anze Kopitar here to be uh, you know, the number one center and stuff, and okay, well, we're at us sign Taylor Hall, and hmm, well, how about uh, Brayton Olby is the goalie? Well, you, you're not doing that. No. So you have, to, you have to kind of figure out, you have this, these restrictions and these confines, and you also have to f- make it work with the group dynamic, which in professional sports, I imagine, is damn near impossible. And maybe, maybe you don't know you got it right till you, till you get it right. Well, and, and I think that you would understand this as well as anybody, that, you know, Pro sports isn't unlike anything else, whether it's our relationships or how we go about our business. Aren't we always growing? And if we care to absolutely assess, like, you know, I played it yesterday when you were, when you were gone or doing other things. And, you know, I, I thought Milan Lucic just hit it all in the head. And that was, you know, to summarize it as quickly as I can, he talked about, listen, when you go through hard things, you've got to look in the mirror and you have to have hard conversations and they're not easy. And you have to demand not only ask of other people and you truly in every management and coaching and teaching position, you know, you're going to see, you're going to see value in different people for different reasons. And, and they're not the same. They're not the same. Trying to grow it all together is incredibly, incredibly difficult. And what, there's no ego in media? Yeah. There's no ego in in <laughs> pro sports? Business, Like, yeah. are you kidding? Yeah, I know. I know. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I know you know. We, uh, we're we chatting with Peter Labardius. It is Hockey Central at noon, right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, we've got Eric Dehatchek coming up in just a little bit. And Max from the Arkell is coming up, too, before 1 o'clock. Wow, I heard we've got a little uh, <laughs> musical guest. The Arkell. Look out. Uh, we're doing all kinds of stuff. And we've got Logan Gordon here as well. Peter, what uh, was there any comments or anything specific said yesterday during all those exit interviews that uh, that really stood out for you from anybody in particular? Well, just just probably the one that I was talking about, Logan, with with Milan Lucic, just that you know Milan's Milan's a fascinating guy, and he's an all in guy, and um, he was incredibly emotional yesterday about that. What happened for him this year is hockey became fun again. And remember, you know, a number of years ago, he lost his father. And, and somebody who's always made a major impact on the ice, then that became in question in his time in Edmonton in particular. And, you know, Canadian markets ask a lot. And, you know, as Kelly and I were talking about, Logan, and is that, you know, we're not just dealing with athletes, we're dealing with people. And, and Milan just really struck me, I guess, because I've always felt that, A, people are incredibly important, and I've known him since he was 17 years old. And all I have to do is listen to him answer questions, how he breaks things down. And he talked about a 13-year career that he's seen it all. He's been through it all. And he's had personal tragedy and challenges to deal with. But every time I hear him talk, there's one thing I know. Is he going to do it all right every night on the ice? No, even he owned yesterday. Would he like to have taken that penalty back in the first period? Yes. And that's every bit as important as the good stuff. But but he refound his passion. And I know why hockey became fun. Because it's more to him. I truly believe this. Than just hockey. It always has been. And that's why he has accomplished so much. And I've watched him mentor people and bring Dylan Dubé along. And, and I do. I think he was a big part of, of changing the mindset in that room. When he talked yesterday about, you know, we kind of have gone from maybe a group that saw individual things as being more important than wins and losses. But we're at a better place now. And, and we are better as a team and our mindset is better and and so is his because he had to get to a better place and that's what life is really all about and I know every once in a while somebody will tweet and go well thanks dad you know I want to hear about hockey not just about you know life but I'm sorry we're dealing with people and and they it it's hard and getting to a better place for all of us The one thing I will never stop talking about is, you know, no matter what we do, Logan, whether it's you, whether it's me, whether it's Kelly, when when our game translates really well for us and it keeps going and going and going the way we want, that's pretty easy. It really is. But when somebody comes along and says, "Uh uh-oh, I'm throwing a roadblock in your way. And for the Calgary Flames, that's where we're at. There's a bit of a crossroads here. There's a bit of a roadblock here. And now it's about navigating your way through it. It's about 
doing what I heard from the general manager and even the head coach. And that is, right now it's fresh, and it hurts, and it stinks. So now you think about where you are, you think about who the people you have, you think about the climate, you think about an ever-changing hockey business flat cap, because as, as, as the boss just talked about, you know what? Yeah, I have some really strong opinions on sometimes players and what I see and what I don't. But what I heard yesterday was people who are still hurting, people who understand that there's more to give, that they have to grow, but it's time. It's time. And making those assessments are really, really difficult. But I'll I'll go down with this ship because I believe it. And that is I believe in the people guiding the ship. And when I see growth, even though it's not perfection, I'm going to recognize that. And in a lot of people and in a lot of players this year, I have seen growth, and I stand by it, and I also see six or seven what I call young core pieces that I'm happy to get on board with for however long. Now, are there some people that for me are in question? Yes, but I also understand that we just can't decide to just, you know, throw everything out and replace it. It doesn't work that way. It just It It just doesn't. Whether you're not a fan of this player or that player, or you think this guy has to go or that guy has to go, boy, you don't think hockey people haven't thought that long before us? Come on. That's all all they do. And and I guess the thing I was thinking about the most and thinking about what to do in the offseason, I think everyone's calmed down a little bit after what happened last week. I sure would like to see Jeff Ward organize training camp, organize the way he wants to do things, instead of like jumping in when the car is going 100 miles an hour and trying to steer it, because that's exactly what he had to do, did a great job of it. I'd like to see him kind of get organized and have an offseason where you're actually going to play the games and you know what the schedule is and you know when it's going to start. I think that that lands in his favor, and I sure hope he gets a shot just to do that. Well, Kelly, I'm going to say this today from honestly the bottom of my heart where Jeff is concerned, and and I've told him this personally. Um, I'm honored and privileged to have an opportunity to learn from hockey people. And for me personally, over the last number of years, it it hasn't been as much about X's and O's and the breakdowns as I think this show will, will lead you to believe. It's about mindset. And in some of the great conversations I had with Jeff, through getting to know him a little better, I, I think he absolutely 100% understands through his experience, and he has a ton of it, mindset and, and how you have to look at things and how you have to challenge yourself to be better and ask the hard questions. And guess what? Here's what we have to remember about Jeff. He's still learning, too. He's never been a head coach in the NHL, but he's been a lifelong coach. And no matter what happens or whatever the decision that is going to be made, he has truly, A, invested in me, helped me learn the game technically 
better as every coach I've ever worked with since Jerry James in 1985 with the Estevan Bruins has done. And, and the one thing that Jeff has also helped with is just how I think about things and dealing with people mentally and relationships and empowerment. And I know he believes in all that stuff. So I personally have driven great value from Jeff because he, he, I think, I think, you know, people have made an impact on you in your life when, even though you share a lot of the same kind of thoughts or attributes or values, but the people come along in your life that just make you feel about it or think about it different. And he's done that. And guess what? You know who else for me has? The general manager of the team. Because the one thing that Brad has always shown, and and it gets hard, Brad cares about his family. And I don't mean his just his personal family. He cares about his players. And it hurts. And it hurts him. And he's calculated. And he thinks. And he values other people. And he does his research. And when you're part of his family, he's going to take care of you. And those, so I don't know where things are headed as far as, you know, those two sides, but I'd be delighted to have an opportunity to get to know both of them better as people in, in life, because I see great value in both of those people. And I think they've made a massive, massive difference to this hockey team. And and like you, you know, I'll I'll be I'll be the first guy to throw a high five if if Jeff gets the opportunity. But I also understand that so much goes into these types of decisions. And I just want to, if I have a second, I just want you to play one clip of Jeff because if I said this about Milan yesterday, I say this about Jeff. If you've ever wondered why I value Jeff Ward, not not as much just about a coach, but as a person, listen to how he answers his own evaluation. You know, obviously I'm going to, uh, you know, ask questions of my assistant coaches, uh, people I work with every day. I mean, they'll give me a pretty, you know, as much as uh, we, we want the players to have hard conversations, we have hard conversations as coaches and, you know, I'll take their feedback really seriously, but you know, that's where I'll start. Um, is they're working with me, you know, every day. Um, and so they sort of see, uh, you know, what's good, maybe what can be improved. Uh, I'll have those conversations as well uh, with management, uh, with people I trust in the game in terms of, uh, you know, who watched our team play an awful lot. You know, I'll, I'll tie into all those resources and that's where I'll start my evaluation. And then from there, you know, I'll come up with a personal plan uh, for myself for, uh, for next season. There you go. We'll that's see. it for me yeah. right there. Yeah. That's that's just stuff. That's great stuff. Okay, Luke, we're gonna we're gonna let you go. Um lots hey, to talk about. We're gonna about. talk about a hockey series tomorrow. What do you think? Yeah, we're gonna get into that and uh, a whole bunch more. So uh we appreciate it. We'll talk tomorrow. Okay, have a great one, everybody. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. To uh, pull the curtain back a little bit here, Logan, um, obviously uh, Sportsnet based out of Toronto, and, and they, they send emails and we get alerts on all kinds of stuff. 
But I tell you, when that alert happens to be about the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's like a five-alarm fire. Like, it's like mayday, mayday, mayday. So we uh, we started getting that mm, little after 9 o'clock or so or whatever it was. And, boy, it was uh, it was hot and heavy about the uh, the Leafs and Penguins. We'll, we'll dive into that trade a little bit, uh, little bit more. So you had it in trending now as you got a time to... to to kind of go over it a little bit, Logan. What do you what do you think of uh, uh, Kapanen on his way to the Penguins for a first round pick? It's a bit of an interesting trade for both sides. I think for Toronto to to pick up a first round pick is important. They were without theirs because of the uh, Patrick Marlowe trade that uh, they needed to get some cap space here. They get some cap space in this trade too. It seems like a very high part, uh, price to pay for Pittsburgh if you're getting Kasperi Kapanen, and I don't know that it solves any problems for Pittsburgh because they seem to be a a forward-heavy club as it is. There's lots of little pieces going back and forth here that maybe turn into something but are, you know, mostly minor league pieces. So, interesting. I think it sets up probably more for the offseason for both teams going forward. We know Jim Rutherford in Pittsburgh never sits on his hands when it comes to making moves uh, if he feels his team needs to be better. And for Toronto, we know that they're going to try to make some moves as well. So clearing out some cap space and getting some uh, a high draft pick, it's 15th overall, I believe, is Pittsburgh's uh, pick this year. So either they're getting a, a guy in the you know top half of the draft or they're uh, going to use that asset somewhere else. So uh, interesting start. I think we'll see more of this as we uh, get closer and closer yep. to the NHL's full right. offseason. Yeah, I think it's a start. I think it's a start. We'll talk about that and a few other things as well. Our NHL insider, Eric Dehatchik, is next right here on Sportsnet 960. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon making way for, uh, well, Peter Klein coming up later on today. So is Will Nolte. The big show set to go at 1 o'clock. Before then, we'll hear from Max from the Arkells, who are busy doing some cool stuff. We'll talk to him, and he's a... Bit of a hockey fan to see how he's doing with this trade. But first, let's talk to our NHL insider. He's Eric Dehatchek. And, uh, you know, kind of a kind of neat news uh, for everyone in the media business today is we get a trade to talk about the NHL. So uh, Kapanen goes to Pittsburgh, and that first-round pick coming up in October, 15th overall, goes to Toronto. What did you, you got a little few hours to kind of digest it and analyze it. Where do you come out on this trade, Eric? Yeah, yeah, no, well, very interesting, and I agree with you, Kelly. Like, uh, you know, like I, I have to admit, I had a little bit of a of, of a rush because, you know, it, like I, I even you know punched something in last Friday uh, about how you know you can make trades at this time of year, but nobody does, you know, and 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 the, the the general rule of thumb is that the reason that you don't make a trade once you've been eliminated is because you can't make trades with the teams that are still going, right? So it limits your options, right? And and the idea is that. You know, maybe you should wait, you know, and, and if you're if you're making a player available, you know, then then every team has a chance to bid rather than, you know, the current situation, which is about three quarters of the team because, you know, we're down to the final eight. So so it's very rare that something like this happens. And so, to you know, first of all, you know, it's like, wow, a trade and then a very interesting trade, too. I mean, you can strip it down, you know, however, which way you want. It's basically Kapanen for a first round pick, you know, everything else is kind of window dressing. It's, it's moving money, it's, you know, it's moving contracts, uh, um, you know, and, and, and I, I guess the, you know, the one sort of secondary player in, in this whole thing that I don't know anything about is this, uh, um, the, you know, the, the Philip Hallander. I, I don't know very much about him, but, but if he was only drafted 
in the 2018 draft and you went 58th overall, you have to assume that this is a guy that, that maybe has some NHL upside. I think everybody else is, you know, probably going to be a minor leaguer going forward. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, there was, you know, a little bit of low-level Kapanen into Calgary buzz back in January and, and February. And because that was sort of going around, I remember paying particular attention to him in that, uh, that January game where the Flames were in Toronto, I was with the team at the time and watched him play. And he he was a very effective player that uh, that night. And he's a guy that can that can kill some penalties. Um, he's got a quick stick. He seems to have tons and tons of hockey sense, right? So somebody who can anticipate plays seems to get lots and lots of breakaways. Um, but I also think that he's somebody who, so far in his career, has been quite inconsistent. And so I think that that has really hampered him. And then, of course, on on a Toronto team that is is so top-heavy in, in terms of forwards, he really wasn't playing, you know, a top-six role because, you know, when, when you've got, you know, guys like Marner and Matthews, you want somebody with a bit more of that sort of Zach Hyman grit uh, to ride shotgun with him. So he's, he was a bit of the odd man out there this year, and I think that Toronto expects that, that, that Andreas Johansson, who, who missed a lot of this injury with uh, this season with injury, is going to be a player for them next year. So he became expendable. And I think that around the league, everybody knew that they were trying to move him. And then it was just a matter of, of what kind of a return you can get from him. And, and, you know, the reality is, I think this is a pretty good return. I mean, everyone that, that I talk to, I don't watch the juniors, but everyone tells me, you know, a, a, a top 15 pick in this draft is going to net you a pretty good asset down the road. So Toronto accomplishes two things with this. They get the, the, a draft choice back because they've given theirs away in that uh, Patrick Marlowe salary dump in, in a pretty good draft, and, and they solve a little bit of their, their salary cap problem. So I like it from their perspective. And, and from Pittsburgh's perspective, it's, it's a little bit more puzzling, I guess, because I think that they have forwards there that they, that they want to move this, uh, this offseason. Obviously, they didn't love the chemistry they had. In order to give up a first-round pick, I... I'm, I have to imagine that they think that he is a top six forward on that team. They probably like the fact that he signed to a, you know, a fairly reasonable contract in, in terms of, of the salary cap hit. And, and, you know, I saw Jimmy Rutherford's statement that they know a little bit about him because they're the ones that drafted him originally. Right? So he, yeah. was, he, was a, he was a member of the Penguins and he got traded, uh, uh, about, you know, after, uh, after they drafted him 22nd overall. So, you know, six years after, being a first-round pick of Pittsburgh, he's going to get a chance to play in Pittsburgh. Interesting trade. Interesting yeah. trade. Does this open up the floodgates? Are we going to get a bunch more here, or what do you think? Well, you know, yeah. If you recall, yesterday in the in the, the Brad Tree Living uh, availability, when the Flames were doing their kind of post-mortem, you know, what did he say? Like, uh, you know, in the last forty-eight hours, I've talked to at least twelve general managers. So, you know, if he's saying that on the record, you know, on a Zoom call. I think, you know, we can read, you don't even have to read anything into it. What he's saying is that all of these general managers are, are, are talking back and forth. And, and that for some reason, there seems to be more pressure. I don't really understand why teams are feeling greater pressure now to make these substantive changes based on, you know, not having the result they wanted in this play-in, play-off round. Because I, I thought that, that everything, you know, everyone talks about the asterisk. To me, the asterisk is, it, like, it's just hard to evaluate. It's hard to evaluate a, a team's competence, I guess, for lack of a better word, based on, you know, mini training camp, 
you know, playing in a, you know, getting yeah. busted in a bubble, playing with no fans. I mean, it, it, it's just so odd. You, How much credence do you give lot. that? And you're making these big changes. Like, are you sure that's what you saw, right? That's what I said exactly. from the beginning. It's like, careful here. Like, you know, there's a lot of things at play with the flat cap and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know, does a, you know, a big shutdown and then you started playing in a bubble? Is that, is that a true test of your, your team's chemistry and, and grit and all that kind of stuff? I don't know if it is. No, exactly. Well, the Rangers were done in four days, Kelly. I mean, yeah. they were done in four days, right? So, so how much how much can you read into that, and how how angry can you be? It just it just you know, if your goalie was if it wasn't his day or if it wasn't his week. But here's what I would tell you. So the the flip side of that, because I've run that argument by a few people at the NHL level, and they say no one is rushing to judgment. But if what you saw in the you know performance in this sort of, you know, the, you know, the, the playoff that we've had confirms what you already suspected about your team, then you're ready to, to pull the trigger. So I guess yeah, your question was, you know, does this, the, the, the floodgates open? Maybe, you know, maybe. I, I'm inclined to think that the vast majority of general managers are not quite as bold as Jim Rutherford. Like he's, this is why I like Jimmy Rutherford. He, he has an idea in his mind of what value is. And so some general managers are, are you know, you know, they're, they always want, uh, throw me an extra fifth-round pick or, you know, let's swap a four and you give me a three. You know, they're always looking for a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more to try and maximize what they had. And that, that creates a level of frustration, especially among some of the, the older general managers who, you know, are used to it's like, you know, my player for your player, let's make a deal and, and, and away we go. So there, there isn't as much of that as in the sort of trader Cliff Fletcher era or Lou Nanny or, you know, Bill Torrey that, you know, when, when those guys – basically ran the league and, and you just saw a lot of more player for player deals. And, yeah. uh, but, but Rutherford is, is old school and he's a throwback to that era. And so in his mind, you know, clearly he wanted Kapanen as far as he was concerned, the, you know, that he was prepared to, to surrender a first round pick to get him. That's an indication that they think that their Stanley cup window is still open because they don't have a first rounder next year. Right. That's what they, they, yeah, gave. And they must like what's on the farm too. Right. They must know. They must think their prospects are good enough that, That'll get them through. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good. I, I honestly, I don't think that's the case because we have our, our prospects guy has has them rated as the second worst farm system okay. in national hockey. <laughs> Only Washington is worse, and they gave up their 2021 for Jason Zucker to to Minnesota. So this is Jim Rutherford doing an old school thing. This is like a poker game, you know, all in, all in on this team, uh, and and they probably feel that that this guy is an the captain is is an asset that that will help them going forward. Now what's going to be real interesting in terms of, of where Pittsburgh is at, and, and I, I don't know that it relates to the Flames or not, but they have two young goaltenders in the system. One, Matt Murray, who's won a Stanley Cup, and, and another, Tristan Jerry, that this year looked like he was going to be like a very good NHL goaltender with you know lots of you know um, miles still on, on, the, on the chassis. And so one of those guys is likely to be traded, and I will be very interested to see what the return will be for a young goalie that, you know, isn't like a, like a kid. It's not 18, 19, you know, in the case of Murray, it's a guy that's won, won a championship already. Um, hasn't had the best, um, you know, uh, didn't have a good year and, and really didn't have a great year the year before. Um, I'm sure teams are looking at tape of him. Uh, you know, there's issues, there seem to be issues about his glove hand, you know, our, our team's exploiting it. Are there, but, but every team thinks that they, their goaltender coach can fix a guy and and somebody like like him who has won before you know you, you you know you go to your your goalie guy and say what do you think can you fix this guy and the goalie guy will say absolutely we can fix him 
And then, you know, somebody's going to be moving. So they will get assets back. Now, are they going to get, maybe they're going to replenish their draft choices that way. Maybe they felt that they could afford to give up a draft choice in this deal because they expect to get draft choices back for whichever goalie they, uh, um, they, they trade. But that's, but that's the beauty of the offseason, isn't it? it? It's all these moving pieces. And, and, so, and, and you sometimes just wait for the dominoes to fall mm-hmm. and they come crashing down. And, and I, I really hope that that's what happens. Yeah, we love it. We love it. Eric, we've got a split. We will talk again on Thursday. Uh, we'll have a little farther into round two to kind of break down for sure. We'll talk talk Thursday. All right. Thanks, Kelly. There we go. Eric DeHatchik down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. I'll tell you, they've been making the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. You can dine in. You can get it delivered. You can pick it up. 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Good idea for your Tuesday and all that hockey watching. Okay, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to rock out a little bit. Well, kind of. Uh, the Arcals, great band, great Canadian band, lots of charity work. They're busy this weekend. We'll uh, we'll talk to uh, Max from Arcals next, right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hey, welcome back. It's Kelly Kirsch right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're going to switch gears a little bit. We don't have a lot of musicians on Hockey Central at noon, but we're making an exception today because we got somebody really special. He's Max from the Arkells. Max, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on, guys. I know this is a, you know, a bit of a big deal to have a non-sports guy. Well, I'll I'm say, kind of a sports guy. You I'm know what? I, I know you're. we're going to get into your sports affiliations just a bit, but I was thinking, I go, who was the last musician we had on Hockey Central? And I came up with it. Um, we could play 20 questions, but I'll just tell you. Uh, the last musician we had on Hockey Central at noon was Paul Dean, guitar player, lover boy. How about that? Hey, good company. <laughs> I'll take it. That's awesome. <laughs> now, you, you've been busy. Um, I, there's a bunch of things I want to talk about. We're going to talk about the... Uh, the Budweiser stage coming up on Saturday. I also want to talk about uh, an acoustic uh, CD. CD, your, your new music mm-hmm. has come out, um, which is kind of cool. But I heard a story, and everyone's got like the "what happened when COVID happened" story. And you guys mm-hmm. were you guys were were doing a a fundraising concert uh, back what March 11th with Nick Nurse <laughs> and the Raptors. Can you kind of take the audience through how how that all came about? It was it was uh. very surreal. It was a night I'll never forget. March 11th, um, we're, we're friends with Nick. Nick's performed on stage with us, um, you know, a week after the Raptors won the championship. He's an amazing guy, uh, couldn't be kind of sweeter and more generous with his time. He's also a big music fan. So um, he was launching the Nick Nurse Foundation, uh, which is um, his foundation to help support youth and literacy and sports and music. And we were really looking forward to it. We had rehearsed with him. We were playing some Stevie Wonder and some Arkell songs, uh, some Motown. And um, it was a star-studded affair. It was like a small dinner for like 125 people. Half of the Raptors team showed up. Everybody was in good spirits. And then about, I don't want to say an hour before we went on stage, news broke that Rudy Gobert on the Utah Jazz yep. got COVID-19. And then we looked around like, wait a second, the Raptors were playing the Jazz two, two days ago. I just took a photo with Serge Ibaka, <laughs> the Raptors' uh, power forward. And then it all started to sink in that things were going to change. So we, we, we performed our like half an hour set with Nick 
And then everybody got the hell out of there. And that night, the NBA was postponed. <laughs> what, did, <laughs> so. what did you think personally? Because we didn't, you know, we've all gotten a lot better at understanding what's all about COVID-19. But at the beginning, we weren't sure what was going on. What, like you were, you were hanging out with the Raptors and stuff. Did you think, oh, geez, maybe I should get tested? Or, or what, what, was your, what was your own personal sort of view of that moment? It was such an unknown time looking back, you know, like I honestly thought that like we'd be quarantined for like six or seven days, like, like the world would be like inside for like a week and then we'd go out and begin our play again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but obviously that lasted months. Um, yeah, it was very like kind of unknown, odd time. I'm sure everybody has a story about like, you know, where they were when things really started to sink in. But uh, yeah, it was definitely like something I'll I'll never forget. Um, but but anyway, I'm really glad though that that basketball and hockey is back because those are the two things that I really lean on uh, when I'm trying to get a distraction from my job as a musician. I spend a lot of time on Twitter and the NBA Reddit page. Those are like my two kind of go tos. I bet. Um, okay, well let's get a prediction before we get a little further in. Your Raptors, Celtics. What do you think? Oh, I'm feeling very good about the Raptors. I mean, uh, Kyle Lowry's got a bum ankle right now, but uh, so far, so good. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like we have a bunch of professionals on our team, so I feel, I feel good about it. That sounds like Raptors and six to me. Yeah, I, I did predict <laughs> Raptors and six another day, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that. Um, Max, tell us about this, this Budweiser uh, stage that's coming up uh, on City TV on Saturday, 6 o'clock Calgary time. Um, it's one of those things where musicians like all of us have had to kind of, you know, reinvent themselves a little bit, but everybody still likes music. They still love, you know, live music. You guys did uh, something special. Um, ex- explain what we're going to see uh, coming up on Saturday. Yeah. So, you know, we've been trying to think about how we can perform in a way that feels sort of gratifying to us. I know there's a lot of drive-in concerts right now and that, that kind of feels like something we don't want to do, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. But we were given this opportunity, um, you know, through Rogers and, and Budweiser. They had this program, Budweiser Stage at Home, and that's an iconic venue here in Toronto. And uh, they did an eight-part series with the likes of the Black Crows and John Legend, Alanis Morissette, Blue Rodeo, Leon Bridges. It was kind of like a star-studded lineup. And um, when they heard that we were putting together this acoustic album, they asked, would you guys like to be the sort of season finale? of the show. And, and so we're taking over the airways for a full hour on Saturday night on city TV on at 8 PM. And what we did is we went out to the country. Our friend bees has like a yurt on this off the grid compound that he's developing. And we sang songs around the campfire. We sang songs in the meadow surrounded by horses. <laughs> we sang songs around the, uh, in the yurt uh, that he's built there. And it's be- it's really beautifully shot. We have like an amazing uh, production team that we work with. And it, and it just looks spectacular. So it's not, you know, in the beginning of COVID, there were so many performances where, like, bands, like, in their living room on split screens because that was the only thing you could do. And, again, we did not want to do that. But we said if we have an opportunity to actually play together, we'll, we'll do that and we'll make it look and sound incredible. You've got uh, some new music out. You've you've done an acoustic uh, kind of a release called uh, Campfire Chords. So some bands, you know, they just, you know, they they – don't want to do an acoustic album and other bands it just it it kickstarts their career uh where did you come out in deciding this is maybe the right time to to put this out well originally we were in the previous camp that you mentioned like we just had no time to make an acoustic record we we're always touring we we're always thinking about the next the next album um but obviously with all of our shows postponed we had a little bit of time at home and we thought okay you know we have a bunch of songs in our catalog that our fans have been asking for uh, to be recorded acoustically 
And so we thought, okay, what if, if I start and lay down a vocal and a guitar and I send it to our guitarist, Mike, and he lays down some lead and then over to Tony and he plays some keys, we can really start to build these songs up. And, and before you know it, we had 18 songs. One of them is a brand new song, Quitting You. And, and you know, I think as a band, you know, you're, you're sort of a, a small business as well. You know, you're a small family business and you got to kind of make it work and you got to wake up every morning um, with some direction and some motivation. So uh, that's, that was one of the things that kept us really keen during quarantine. It was being able to just like wake up every day and think about the next song to tackle. And it really just felt like it was the most like, comforting thing to do is to like kind of lean on these songs that are a part of our history uh, and, and put them out this summer. Because a lot of times, you know, there's no concerts happening right now and people are just listening to their music in their backyard or at their cabin, or around a lake, or around a campfire, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of a quieter time. So we really, uh, we really try to read the room as much as we can when it comes to like how we ought to interact with the world. And yeah, th- this is what, this is the move that felt right. Max, I want to ask you about something. Uh, Arkells are known for your live show. You're you're known for me anyway uh, as a radio guy for your unique promotions. I know the one you did on the C train here with a different radio station. I thought was fantastic, but you're also known uh maybe not in sports radio but in in music as doing a giving a lot back you guys do a lot mm-hmm. of charity work can you talk a little bit tell people about your your deal with plus one because you, you raised a lot of money for some great causes yeah i mean we just try to be useful like we're we're very aware of how lucky our job is and how many other like really hard jobs are out there and you know like i'm the son of a social worker and a teacher and i'm friends with a lot of people that just live in the truly in the service of others so that's on our mind a lot. Um, with Plus One, uh, you know, we've it's just a very simple concept. Every dollar from a ticket goes to a charity that we care about. In the past, we've like supported the Canadian Council for Refugees. There's also an LGBTQI organization in Toronto um, that are called uh, Rainbow Railroad that uh, we partnered up with. And, uh, you know, during the, the pandemic, uh, you know, we were just trying to think about, like, the food banks that need money. Uh, we also... Um, with Nick Nurse actually got together a $25,000 donation to a local high school uh, here in Ontario uh, to buy new instruments for their music program. So I don't know. We just like, we're up for a good idea. And, uh, you know, I want to give a shout out, uh, you know, to to the fine people in Calgary. Um, There's there's a fellow named Chris that uh, donated a lot, a lot of money to the Calgary arts school. It's a public school there. And we did an instrument donation last time we were in town and, um, yeah, so we just try to think about, like, what are sort of, like, the community-based initiatives that could lend uh, a spotlight or and we can lend our support to. So that's just sort of uh, how, how we like to kind of go about our business, being, being a band that has a bit of a platform. I, I think that's awesome. I wanted to, to give a little bit of a spotlight on that. So just to, once again, coming up on Saturday, 6 o'clock on City TV, it's uh, the Budweiser stage at home where you guys uh, recorded this kind of cool, uh, you know, uh, remote sort of concert so people can enjoy that. But also uh, one more plug for uh, the uh, Campfire Chords, which is out it's out already and, and it's an acoustic uh, release. And folks can yeah, get that. Yeah, you know, it, it, the songs, like, we, you know, we recorded songs like Knocking at the Door and Leather Jacket, but they sound entirely different. And that was sort of like the fun of it. But before I go, I want to give a quick shout out. Uh, Travis Hamannick and TJ Brody, uh, they're both friends of the band, and I know they've done a lot of good work. I know Travis sat out the playoffs for a very good reason, but I know TJ's been working hard, so uh, shout out to those guys. That's awesome. we gotta, we got to break down some hockey maybe next time you come on. We'll just do uh, full-on <laughs> sports. 
Max, thanks. You know, I, I got a really nice text from Travis actually a couple days ago. Oh, that's it sounds cool. like he and his family are good. And uh, TJ um, is married to a gal uh, from our neck of the woods, and uh, her friend, uh, her sister Jess, is a good friend of mine. So, so there you go. You know, it's, it's like Canada. It's like there's a good chance that there's like a one or two degree separation. That is <laughs> from, so awesome, Max. Whoever it is you're asking about. That is so cool. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for taking the time on Hockey Central, and best of luck. Cheers. Thanks so much for chatting. There we go. Max Kerman from uh, Arkells. How about that? Just like that. Well, we got to get out of here. Uh, lots to do here. We'll uh, get going with uh, the big show coming up at 1 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.